Hello and welcome to Quote Unquote Guilty, the only guilty pleasure podcast with air quotes in the title. I'm your host, Joe Sanders, and I'm joined today once again by Johnny Blaze. Hello, how's it going, internet? You look good today. <laughs> Have you been losing weight? Did you get a haircut, internet? <laughs> You've been working out. How are you doing, Joe? Does really anybody good. ask you that in these podcasts? Sometimes. <laughs> the ones who care. Yeah, I'm doing well. You know, my uh, semester's just wrapping up. When this comes out, it'll be like right at the end of the semester. Hello. Um, I'll just be kind of finishing up and grading and Joe moving teaches, into summer. Joe teaches defense against the dark arts. I do. At our local college. So. so in case you're new. <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is not our Harry Potter episode. That's got to come at some point, right? I don't know. They're all pretty good. And pretty good. Pretty it's popular. hard to feel guilty. I don't know. The first two are real bad, I think. What were what did we watch? We're watching, we watched Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. The best one of the series. <laughs> I, I'm not that bad. I don't, I don't actually, I know I'm very tolerant and easy with all sorts of bad movies. World class Star Wars prequel <laughs> apologist. <laughs> at, least, at least that's what I'm hoping for. I'm going to put that on my resume because I am <laughs> definitely a prequels apologist. <laughs> I'm, I'm like a politician up there lying my face off about why this movie's good Phantom Menace isn't that bad. Revenge of the Sith isn't that bad. I would say Phantom Menace has aged the best out of the prequels. I could agree with that. Like, not three is fine, but it definitely has its moments that maybe have not aged well. But I think Phantom Menace, I I was rewatching it today. It's like a classic, like, so bad it's a good movie. And it's very watchable and enjoyable. And it's very brave as far as star wars movies go because it's probably the most different from the other movies i noticed that watching this time too i was like man they're not like going to blow up a ma- a big death mm, monster a de- big death planet it's it's they do blow up a giant circle in the sky but it's it's just a, like a droid it's much ship. less important yeah. it's then. not it's just like <laughs> part of the overall assault and i like that a lot too Definitely. and it gives anakin something to do during this big assault but it's not like there's a death laser star (laughs) in orbit and we have to steal the plans to find its weakness for sure which is like four of the other movies plots i mean yeah four six seven so three yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i guess i guess the prequels don't really do that i can't think of one in two um two is like big battle threes and three three is genocide or i don't know it's not really genocide. the the wiping out of the jedi (laughs) yeah it's not really genocide when it's a group but uh or uh a clubhouse but (laughs) (laughs) no but i mean definitely and i would say this one's almost there but it's it's not even about the final battle so much as like the the story beats Mm-hmm. Like I would say it goes through for better or for worse, much different, a, a very different hero's journey than because it's almost Padme's hero journey. It's, it's almost om- Padme's, it's she, almost Obi-Wan's. She, she is so close to being like straight up Ray style protagonist of this movie. But the director, whoever that guy was, decided that little baby you mean Annie, George Lucas. <laughs> is that what is George Lucas? Yeah, I think I, I've, I think you're pronouncing this, that correctly. <laughs> this uh, this uh, young this little 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 scamp director. He's directed some indie hits like American Graffiti and Never Red Tails. It. Never heard of it. <laughs> I actually have seen Red Tails. I haven't seen that. So. It's it's just average. It's not bad. It's not good. It, I barely remember it actually. I just remember that's like, almost wow, that see, and 
that's almost worse than something like phantom menace because it's hard to have a phantom menace is memorable <laughs> you gotta give it that because i don't see you having the quote-unquote guilty for red tails maybe but like something like phantom menace it's like yes yeah. there's a lot to sink your teeth into you have to have strong feelings about a quote-unquote guilty topic <laughs> i think for sure for better or worse um, no, I've always loved Phantom Menace. I was nine. I was eight years old when this movie came out. Almost nine. Ninety nine. Yeah, I was fifteen then. And I, uh, I love this movie. I remember. I think all through the prequels, I left the movie and was like, "This is the best Star Wars movie ever." <laughs> <laughs> I think I did that for Force Awakens too. But when when I was, I must have been fourteen. I guess I think this came out in May ninety nine. So when I was fourteen and I saw it the first time, I really liked it a lot. I was like, that was exactly what I wanted. It was super fun. There was constantly things going on. That uh, Darth Maul battle is epic. Mm, mm, um, benissimo. The the pod racing is very action-y and good. I, I liked it at 14. I was like, yeah. I want to go see that again in the theater. And I went back and saw it again. I was like, yeah, it doesn't really hold up as well on second views, but still super fun. Mm-hmm. And then it took a couple. I was like, man, this just gets worse every time I see it. So then I went years without seeing it. <laughs> right. Until last year, I watched it with Rift Tracks, which was fun. I would imagine. Was it just the main crew? Did they have a special guest? Or I think it was just the main three. It was Kevin, Mike, and Bill. Word. Um, I'm pretty sure. Sorry and if that- we forgot you special guest, whoever <laughs> you are. I'm pretty sure that one didn't have a special guest. I could be wrong. Uh, but then I watched it the other day for this. And I was like watching it with like an analytical focus to like re- kind of break it down and really question the- plot points and the politics of it. I, I think that was maybe the most I've enjoyed it since I originally saw it. Yeah. Well, the politics of it, while they make sense, are very like kind of stodgy. Uh-huh. It doesn't have like the, I mean, in a way it does, but it's not good versus evil, heroes journey. Like it's it's like one group, one political group versus another political group, but they're not like the republic and the separatists there's two smaller groups quibbling yeah and that's kind of different for sure yeah we don't have these clearly defined good versus evil it's like star sectarian violence more than star wars Mm -hmm. but i mean even our even our jedi heroes um or qui-gon specifically is very murky i think he's he's definitely like a loose cannon yeah he's he's the most stodgy stoic loose cannon he's quick to do his jedi mind control (laughs) on whoever whoever opposes him for a second he's like no you'll do what i say i think that's probably one of the bigger mistakes of the movie is i think they should have really played up maybe qui-gon not quite like han solo jedi but definitely kind of but maybe maybe like, that's how you do it is yeah. make han solo a jedi make him like a, a kind of a, a swarthy rogue and not yeah like he, a boring sage yeah but still i mean i i love qui-gon i love liam neeson but he definitely needed more to do than cheating at gambling and yeah <laughs> and pushing the chosen he needed one. to be that lovable rogue instead of like this completely stalwart and good force of good that for some reason cheats at gambling <laughs> needed that he needed that chosen one got to do what you got to do got to do what you got to do like i i i remembered him going against the council's orders and training anakin anyway i was like no he pretty much just goes along with what they say well yeah he's, he's kind of like trying to find his loophole he's yeah like, uh, i'll figure it out when i get back perfectly alive from this mission <laughs> and and then and then obi-wan kind of guilts yoda <laughs> he's like he puts about a guilt trip. i promise qui-gon but i promise qui-gon and and we don't know about Force Ghosts yet, but what if he haunts me, you know? <laughs> and uh, Yoda's like, well, I sense all this darkness and evil, but okay. Then you you watch my new version, so it wasn't gross Muppet Yoda. 
was all that CG they made Yoda. The, it was basically the episode two and three Yoda mm-hmm. kind of sploiced in. Which I never thought Puppet Yoda was gross. I like practical effects. And it's he, a big criticism of Lucas that he kind of ran into CG full force and never looked back. I think at the time it was probably a good, a good idea. And I remember a lot of people were doing that. You know, the um, they made that show reboot but probably before they should have, like with CGI. And, oh, man. And, Reboot's great. And I forgot about Reboot. At the time, it, it hasn't aged well. I don't think any of the prequels have aged super well. But at the time, that stuff was cutting edge. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, practical effects, I've never really, like, in all of my wrong opinions, I don't mind CGI. I don't mind practical effects. I think it's how you use them. I like, think movies like Force Awakens that do a blending of it, or Jurassic Park does a blending of it, sure. works really, really well. And Because you have options there. And then I think what George Lucas did is he put himself in the CAGI box, mm-hmm. and there weren't really hardly any practical effects. And so things that might have looked better, you know, he just was going full force for it. But yeah, with New Force Awakens, Maz's hangout den looked great with all of the classic cantina costumes and uh puppets and stuff mm-hmm. but you they know actually invented a bb-8 to like do yeah BB-8. Little, like, that's a real little droid little volleyball bastard yeah uh actually rolling around i don't know how they got a little person in there but that's really <laughs> impressive um but then if you watch uh phantom menace and you're looking at like all the heavy alien scenes like actually the the pod racing parking garage was like the closest thing to the cantina i like a lot of aliens walking around and even the pod race all the tattooing stuff there's like a few people in costume and most of it's digital and yeah you know that's what they went with whatever but it and sometimes like you said works. blending blending gives you options yeah i mean i like sebulba's look a lot yeah he's, he's the, like cool the way design. he moves and you know he has a very intimidating presence and he's a completely cg character and that works and then you have jar jar binks who i actually don't think is completely cg i think his costume with like a cg no face. he's he well they did kind of like a proto mocap with motion capture yeah. with him and not like a not quite to the degree i think with andy circus i think I'm, I might be super wrong, internet, and I apologize. I know you're very forgiving when people are wrong, but I think it was they would kind of film some scenes with him with uh, uh, Ahmed Best standing there, and some scenes they kind of had to act at nothing. Right, because I know they did a mold of his body, so I figured they did some sort of prosthetic at some level and then CG'd over they, it. They tested a practical effect. There's some video of like a really weird Muppet Jar Jar bouncing around oh, in, a, okay. in a pickup truck, acting kind of like Jar Jar, uh, waving at other cars and stuff. You know, but then in, at the time, George was like, oh, this is... CGI's great. CGI will never look old and bad. <laughs> Let's just make him CGI. Let's just talk about Jar Jar. I just need to get this out Let's, of the way. Just so... I love episode one, but I, I've always loved episode one, but I acquiesced that Jar Jar's terrible. And in many ways, I don't disagree with that. But I was babysitting one time, and that kid was like, let's watch episode one. That's the one with Jar Jar. Epiphany. Jar Jar's not for me, you know, 20-something young man. It's for kids. And this movie's super-duper kids movie. Yeah. Like, uh, getting stabbed through the guts notwithstanding. <laughs> um He's like C-3PO kicked up to 11. C-3PO has that aspect. And if you watch New Hope, he's the comic relief. His antics with R2. Yeah. Um, I think maybe the difference there is he has a charm that well, Jar Jar doesn't really have to I, me. I think, it's, I think it's just different eras. And I think, hey, the kids want something more, you know, wily and loony. They went with Looney Tunes over Funny Butler. Right. And it, it didn't work. But they, so, they tried. And it... Yeah. 
I'm all for having like elements that kids can enjoy and respond to, but that yeah, they just went way too cartoony. And with. and that's his problem is that's why he's there, and I I accept his presence, and it doesn't help the movie. But they've done a lot with him and expanded other Star Wars books and the TV shows, and even the next movie in in Episode Three, like he goes to a pretty dark place, like basically putting Palpatine into emperor powers is he in episode three i remember in episode he, two when he does the palpatine thing. oh it was episode two I i'm pretty sure i think because in episode in three, three he was in background shots. that's right he's like you see him at the very beginning of episode three i think and you see him really sad over a dead padme but he <laughs> barely does anything in that movie yeah but yeah in episode two they kind of trick him into giving palpatine powers which mm-hmm. is oopsie <laughs> well, i remember watching that in the theaters like it's fucking his fault he did it all <laughs> But spoilers, in some of the newer books they've been putting out, they've been kind of tying some loose ends, connecting the the first two trilogies to Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. And Jar Jar is basically a a broke, lonely uh, pariah at Naboo. Yeah, I heard he's like a street performing clown or something. He's a street performer, and adults will have nothing to do with him, but kids like him. I see what you did there, book author. That was very clever. (laughs) Yeah. and kids like him, and then like the story in the book is like, it's like, why don't any, why doesn't the adults like you, Jar Jar? And Jar Jar's like, I fucked up. At <laughs> yeah. uh, one time, I made a very bad choice. <laughs> one time, I ruined the whole universe. <laughs> <laughs> so you know these things happen. One or two. I refuse little... to do the voice. By the way, I'm not going to do the voice. What I'm I'll say the words, but I don't want to do. It's like one or two little bitty accidentes. <laughs> one or two little bitty accidentes. And and so I think in in that kind in the broader sense, Jar Jar has been redeemed to me. But watching this movie, it's hard to <laughs> Jar Jar is still hard to watch. I, I watched it this time specifically with the fan theory in mind that Jar Jar is a Sith Lord. Have you heard this? No. Really? <laughs> I watch a lot of theories, and I've I've heard like joking stuff, like he was always in cahoots because he, you know, they're both from Naboo, him and Palpatine. But yeah. it is a legitimate theory. I didn't even think of that say? connection. Yeah, I mean, I, I've read it online or heard about it online. Where yeah, the idea is that Jar Jar is a Sith Lord, and he's orchestrating the all of this to put Palpatine into power. Well, in the original, uh, slightly um, different in the original bef- pre Disney continuity the captain panaka the the main uh guard for padme he actually becomes a moth for the empire later on oh really and they make some depending on the author they were making suggestions that panaka was always kind of in on it with palpatine and i was and thinking about that watching movie you could kind of see like panaka's walking around with palpatine escorting him and stuff so but I, I could see it's funny. Hey, they make him a general. What kind of yeah. secret behind the scenes connections did he need for that? I, I noticed that too. I was like, man, in the Star Wars universe, they just throw the title general around to anyone. There's like General Skywalker and General <laughs> Solo later. It's like, really? General Solo turned up at the battle at the last minute because he had a, a moment of conscience? Well, you see in Star Wars, they don't have like private, private first class. It's like you're a goon or you're a general. <laughs> Maybe a captain in the middle there. It's a very binary military. No, I noticed that too. He's like, damn, they he really moved up the ranks there for basically just helping them start talks. I just I feel like Jar Jar's way too lucky to not be force sensitive. I actually made that note. Jar Jar is what you get when you put all your points into luck. <laughs> <laughs> He's no, way no too intelligence, lucky. no dexterity, no strength. All your stats are into luck. I don't even think I noted it until like 
during the his at the end battle where he's whipping the gun around with his foot and just oh, to kill like four droids. I think that's when I started. He was like, "That is some insane luck." Yeah, those are some crit hits. I on was the like, old that, "That's just him. That's just his midichlorians on at full blast." Maybe that's why Anakin he accident, Jar Jar got some of his blood on that thing Qui Gon was using to test, and he sent Jar Jar's blood instead of Annie's blood to Obi Wan. Mm, Jar Jar's the chosen one, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, that's a whole other take that theory and. Uh, run with it i do like the whole chosen one thing well i think here's what i like about it. no you go and then yeah like the messiah thing is really heavy-handed but i like the idea of a messiah character that's destined to be evil that's really interesting to me it's like imagine retelling the jesus christ story it's like but jesus fucking killed everybody because he didn't want to be crucified to a fucking cross he was he was the messiah for the old testament's god not the new one (laughs) but it's they always say he's going to bring balance to the force, and honestly, he did. And did he? He left, besides all of the extra characters who did act secretly survive and extra books and stuff, in the movies, at the end of episode three, there are two Sith and two Jedi. Okay. And mostly because of him, and so... And oh, I see what you're saying about People have brought this up to George Lucas. It's like, at the end of episode three and beginning of New Hope, there are two Jedi and two Sith, basically. And George Lucas, that's not what that means. Because <laughs> George Lucas is very, like, good, evil, but good is, is in the end, stronger. But evil is just the, the quick way. And so, word of God, the you know creator of the series doesn't agree with that. But that's kind of what it looks like, is... If his destiny was so murky, because it was supposed to be, because he was supposed to wipe out the bigger group. Who knows if the Sith were in charge, he would have wiped out all the Sith. I, I assume most people think of like the end of Jedi where he redeems himself. That kind of works too. But, but I don't even think that brings balance to the Force, or maybe I don't understand what bringing balance to the Force means, but the Jedi are pretty much an endangered species after that. Yeah, there, there's exactly one after that. Well, besides yada yada, this and that person surviving. But uh, as far as the movies go... Yeah, this is just the one. The last Jedi, if you would. Yeah. If you will. Alright, we got Jar Jar out of the way. Liam Neeson is great. That is my very first note. Liam Neeson is great. Jedi in general a little too great for me in Phantom Menace. What's that? A little too great for me. Liam Neeson? Jedi in general. Oh. Are a little too great for me in Phantom Menace. How do you mean? Well, it doesn't seem like they're ever in any danger. Well, I mean, until they get stabbed. Well, yeah, like I think I think the Darth Maul fight is separate from what I'm talking about. Sure, here. like that feels, fighting the battle droids. Yeah, that feels high stakes. That feels like real life and death, and anyone could die. Mm-hmm. And that's done really well. But everything leading up to that with the Jedi is just I got superpowers and I can do what the fuck I want, and I'm never in any danger. It was kind of a. I mean, it was an interesting choice to go. It's so different from how Obi-Wan and Luke act in the original series. Mm-hmm. I can see kind of what maybe Lucas was thinking. This is their heyday. They're, you know, this is when, you know, they've been practicing for years and there's tons of Jedi and it's a stronger organization. So the Jedi are stronger individually because of that. But then they kind of like, well, why does Obi-Wan fight like an old man? <laughs> why does Luke fight like an old man in Return of the Jedi, even against Vader? Yeah. You know, it's, it's fencing, but we go here and it's, it's Cirque du Soleil in episode one and, and the, all the prequels. It's it's much more acrobatic and fast. It's more like Kung Fu than fencing. Yeah, and I do like the uh, the fight choreography, the lightsaber battles in it looks the prequels. Yeah. It looks it's good. It's really fun, flashy. And if that's what you want, I think that's what this movie has. And I think this movie has a bad rap because it wasn't supposed to be kind of a average 
sci-fi action movie. It was supposed to be the the second coming of our Lord and Savior Star Wars. <laughs> and what was a two and a half out of four stars, you know, suddenly becomes an atrocity. <laughs> but I wrote a list of movies that are worse than The Phantom Menace. Oh, this is good. I mean, you like the X, some of the worst, like X3 and Wolverine, 100% worse, way worse. Even, I would even say Star Wars Episode 2 is way worse than Phantom Menace. Episode 2 is fucking garbage. Let's just, I mean, I get that you're I could, a prequel I, apologist, a world-class prequel apologist. I would love to do an episode on Episode 2. I don't know if I could. <laughs> And that's fine. And if you can't, if it's if it's too if it's too far in the deep end, oh, I don't blame you. It's fucking dog shit. That movie. Uh, that's fair. It, there's things in Revenge of the Sith I can defend. I don't like it better than Phantom Menace, and certainly not better than any of the other Star Wars movies. But Attack of the Clones is yeah, such uh, shit. And that's and I I basically agree with that. I'm of the opinion that I love Star Wars kind of as one single entity. It's, I don't know, I don't really divide up TV shows by episode, which episodes. <laughs> well, Rick and Morty's great, but that one episode, ugh. Futurama's great, but what about the last couple seasons? You know, I, I love all Futurama, I love all of Star Wars. I actually do do that. Batman and Robin, Twilight, The Expendables, the new Star Trek movies. I don't, or the, I'm sorry, the first two new Star Trek movies. Really? You didn't like Star Trek 09? Uh, okay, the first one is fine. The problem with it is... It felt like bad Star Wars. It felt like fan fiction where somebody's trying to cross a star. It felt like a Star Destroyer came into the Star Trek universe (laughs) and then suddenly the Enterprise has to fight it. Okay. Okay. I would say Phantom Menace is beautiful. This movie looks good. Even with kind of the age CGI, Mm -hmm. the art direction kind of as a whole, like the Gungan cities, I would live there. Out of a lot of places in Star Wars, I feel like I could enjoy living in Uta Gunga. Is the city's name? I don't know. Get to see fish out your window every day. Get these cool, you know, scuba cars. Nothing wrong with that. I think Gungans are pretty cool. A lot of people just judge them through Jar Jar. Gungans are like this proud warrior amphibian race. They're like I don't know, lizard people. Lizard people can be cool, and I don't. I think it's beautiful. I think even the Tatooine stuff, like the um, like the pod racing, even um, Moss Espa. The, the city there i think it's a cool tattooing town they really kind of uh they go all out with that dune aesthetic there <laughs> i think i think Nabu. coruscant is the first one with a real shot of coruscant and i, I like how coruscant looks coruscant looks and great. naboo obviously naboo is a really interesting planet in the star wars universe to me because every planet in the star wars universe is like one thing single biome <laughs> yeah it's like we have the frozen planet we have the desert planet we have the city planet but Naboo has like this binary symbiotic it's, ecosystem. It's, it's like the Spanish countryside planet, but I don't know. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's nice and it's more complicated than any other planet we see in Star Wars that I can think of. Uh, yeah, we, we, we have like the ocean planet where the clones are made. <laughs> we have the fire planet that Darth Vader <laughs> is born on. Yeah, the volcano planet, the rock planet. Yeah. Um. We don't really see Alderaan. It seems like a more varied planet. Yeah, Alderaan... Alderaan's like a... It's kind of mountainous, but in a nice way, Mm -hmm. planet. But it's still kind of all temperate. We don't have, like, cold zones and equatorial zones in any of these planets. I think even in Force Awakens, we have Jakku, which is a... A kind of another Tatooine. Jakku's like Tatooine. Yeah, another desert planet. And then we have like a jungle planet that I can't remember what that one's uh, even called. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. 
Um, so yeah, all I, all the it always bothered me. All the planets and moons and Star Wars are just like this one thing. But Naboo's the closest Naboo, to kind of yeah, breaking it. Naboo's a bit more complicated and interesting to me. And I like these two sentient races cohabiting, but right. you know, very separate from each other. They don't they don't war or have conflicts with each other, but they're just sovereign and separate. Well, extended universe warning. They have in the past, and I assume and, they and would. Naboo are definite, or the the Gungan are definitely an indigenous population, and, oh, and humans showed up later because humans are not from Naboo. Okay, humans. There's differing opinions, but it's either it's probably either Corellia, which is Han Solo's planet, or Coruscant is kind of the 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 thought. It's well. Who knows? Disney <laughs> has thrown it on a wrench in the works, but in the old canon, there were some varied thoughts, but most people thought it was either Corellia or Coruscant. Okay. That's interesting, and actually I made a note watching it this time. Like, in order for um, the humans to win over the Gungans, they should have something more to overcome. They should have this, like, really dark history that we get. I, I kind of wish their interactions were more like Game of Thronesy and Machiavellian. Yeah. Like, I have a note here. The Gungans should have asked for hostages. <laughs> Noble Nabooian children to hold as hostages in exchange for the use of their army. But what do they do? They like, hey, we'll quit being dicks to you. Okay, we'll go send our troops to get killed for yeah, you well, as a distraction. Can we be cannon fodder, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when well, I get it, they want... Maybe attack a droid ship... <laughs> I, you know, I get it that, you know, the Gungans were also, you know, being fucked with by the Trade Federation, but Boss Nass definitely downplayed a very strong hand. He could have asked a lot of the Nebuians, like, <laughs> a lot of concessions, parcels of land, moving of boundary stones, Padme's sisters and parents as hostages. But no, it's like, uh, quit being dicks to us and we'll share the glowy orb of peace later. How's that sound? <laughs> I wrote down the opening crawl as it went, just because I was like, I never really pay attention to these things. That's It's no Luke Skywalker has vanished, but... <laughs> Luke Skywalker has vanished! <laughs> you can hear the dun-dun-dun! Yeah, uh, but it's, it's all just like trade disputes and <laughs> taxation routes and... Man, they're really going into the kind of the the corporate interests that create wars yeah. <laughs> not so much the good versus evil but the capitalistic pursuits one one other thing i had about like i wish nebu was more like westeros and game of thrones is the neomodians definitely should have tortured the nebuians more is what what's new gunray doing to like convince Padme to sign this deal. They're walking slowly and comfortably down her palatial hallway. <laughs> it's like, why aren't they taking her to the camps to show them putting the cattle prods to Nabooi and people's nuts? They could have gone a little bit heavier to increase the stakes on Naboo. Yeah. Because right now it's like, oh no, they're making our people walk around the city with droids surrounding them. The horror! And they talk kind of, oh, people are dying and starving in the camps. I don't know, a little, little show, don't tell, never hurt anybody. I was I was confused about the legality in the opening few scenes. Like they have a note about the blockade being legal. I was like, great, I can accept that. They have this legal blockade. But then Palpatine tells them to invade Naboo. I was like, well that can't be legal. He's like, I'll make it legal. It's like right now this second before they invade because that seems unlikely <laughs> it's definitely interesting because the trade federation are 100 percent kind of abusing their position and the nebu have to go all rebellion and guerrilla on them mm -hmm. but it's a very interesting 
dynamic that Star Wars movies don't usually have is because usually, like I said before, this is a small planet-wide conflict. This isn't galaxy-spanning like every other movie is. This is a territorial thing. And so it's interesting to see the good guy government, finger quotes, they're not helping. Their hands are tied. It's bureaucracy that's the bad guy, not the dark side. Yeah. And so they won't send... They won't send even a few ships of troops to be like, well, we'll check it out. No promises, but we'll send some troops to kill any droids that landed on your planet. If they're even there, if not, wag finger. <laughs> but they don't even do that because bureaucracy is the bad guy in this movie and not Darth Vader or, you know, a separatist faction galaxy wide spanning. They also don't question the legality of their order to murder the Jedi. <laughs> do you want the extended universe explanation? No, I want it explained in the movie. <laughs> exactly. And you're you're not wrong to ask for that. But like a lot of the plot holes in Star Wars. Do you remember there was a... Um, you say you haven't seen the movie in a while. There was supposedly this Jedi that got the clone started in episode two, Sifo DS. Yeah. Never comes up again. That plot point was dropped. Uh, even in this movie, Anakin having a dream saying he would free the slaves. Never really gets around to that in the movies. Extended universe. Okay. A lot of problems with all the Star Wars movies, inclu- like why Han Solo referred to his victory in the Castle Run in in measure in Parsecs. distance and not time. Like name a plot hole. It's probably been explained somewhere. But is that a good thing? Is that it's a good thing if you're neck deep in this shit like I am. Yeah. But it's not if you're you like the movies and. Yeah, and I, I've never really looked into extended universe stuff. I started the Clone Wars animated series, and I liked what I saw, but I just you know got distracted with other things yeah that's fine that's a long ass series yeah um so i'm all for like exploring this universe more but really at the end of the day what you need to know has to be in these movies for sure it's yeah or else it just is lost i would love to find somebody who knows almost nothing about star wars has seen no star wars movies and have them watch rogue one and see (laughs) how they do i don't know if rogue one would make even a little bit of sense if you yeah it it would be like kind of a weird sci-fi movie where you probably think you're missing some stuff it's like I feel like if you watch Rogue One with no knowledge, you will know you're not getting the whole story. Rogue One, they'd probably do better with than Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace is a lot of, like, forward references. And, like, ooh, isn't this important? But if you had no idea what a Star Wars movie was, all of that would be lost. And you just may probably be confused as to... Because certain things, like... I'm gonna say maybe. But at least this movie had the benefit of being allegedly the start of something. Yeah. You're not wrong about call forwards. You're not wrong that... You know, this was actually made after three other movies, so that will have to happen. But, I mean, that's why they made the Machete Order. But there's but, little things like, it's Yoda isn't confirmed as Yoda until the very end of the movie. So if you don't know who Yoda is, you don't know who uh, Yoda is that's until a, that's the That's a end good of the point, because they talk about Yoda. Yeah. Is Yoda, Mace, is Yoda Samuel Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They mention Master Yoda a few times, and then they have scenes with Yoda, but they don't say Yoda, Master Yoda. He's just this weird puppet guy who's passing judgment. And at the end, is like, oh, that's Yoda? I wish they'd established that. You're- I feel like there's another character where you don't get their name until way late. There's a lot of weird choices as far as droids go in these movies. Well, it's it's like anthropomorphizing, humanizing them. Yeah, giving them human traits, which I get. The thing that really weird, not doesn't weird me out, but confuses me in uh, Phantom Menace specifically, but I'm sure maybe the rest of the prequels too. The droids in this, the little Roger Roger droids. Uh, B1 battle droids. The B1 battle droids. I've never understood why they need to talk to each other to communicate. <laughs> well, it's 
I mean, Star Wars is fantasy. It's it's barely sci-fi. It's sci-fi because they go into space. Yeah. If all this was happening on one planet, this would be a fantasy series. And midichlorians notwithstanding, which I also would love to talk at length about. Yeah, we can get the into fuck midichlorians. midichlorians. <laughs> um, but there's magic. We don't know how crap really works. In droids don't fucking it's not isaac asimov droids these are these are droids you know robots filled with magic not science <laughs> I, it never bothered me before phantom menace because we have droids talking to each other in the other movies but these droids specifically and i think i put my finger on it this last time watching it they're controlled by like a hive ship that sh- that controls all of them simultaneously and when it goes down they all shut down it's like that makes even less sense for them to communicate with each other by speech they do have a general too. If you see a droid marked with yellow, yeah, that's a that's a general B one. Why? No reason. <laughs> Is it like a part of the signal goes down? All right, I'm stepping in. It's, you know, did the signals go through <laughs> that one droid and then disperse? We, you know, we don't really know. Well, then you just have to take out that one droid. That's not a good battle strategy. Um, o O M nine. That's his name for you people who care about this. Wow, you know, you know a lot. You know, I, all the I have a whole list of minor characters who I just wish I knew. Like Rick Oli. That's the pilot that they that he's he's in the final battle, but he's the main pilot in the ship they escaped Naboo from the first time. Okay, I had a theory. Uh, when I was a kid that that guy would eventually be Boba Fett. Super wrong, but that's what I thought. Of. I bet that guy, that guy's super cool, he's a good pilot, I bet he could be Boba Fett. This isn't really relevant to Phantom Menace, but what are your thoughts on Boba Fett? I, I like In him. In general. I, I like him. I'm, I'm one of those... Extended universe helps. If I bet. O- if you've only seen the movies, I do not question why you might be mystified why Boba Fett is, like, so Completely popular. Completely mystified. And... It started as part of the C-3PO R2-D2 cartoon. Yep, I've That's seen that. That's when he first appeared. He's this mysterious, cool bounty hunter riding a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. That's that's a pretty good opener. And then in kind of the very, like a very early, like cross pollination, he shows up in a different costume, but same name. And I mean, he doesn't have a personality in the movies, but they could jive. He's, he's like a stoic badass in the cartoon. Okay. But Boba Fett is the universe's most badass bounty hunter who's always gets his mark he doesn't work for the bounty hunter guild he runs solo and only total awesome bounty hunters can pull that off and and so this this mythos has built up around him and they gotta shoehorn him into stuff i almost like that that his his mythology in the universe mirrors his mythology in our world <laughs> it's like, oh yeah boba fett's awesome but why i don't know just because just because <laughs> he's used a clone of another really awesome guy yeah i don't know who also didn't really do anything <laughs> <laughs> who also died very <laughs> innocuously yeah. and suddenly george lucas always toyed with the idea of having like a final like throwaway shot in jedi of like boba fett clawing out of the sarlacc <laughs> Anyway, uh, since well, I was like Rickoli, the pilot, uh, the random characters I like, the the one like Captain Gungan, the uh, Panaka, uh, Padme's captain. But that's what the extended universe is for, and it's hard to get all that into a two-hour movie. Since you're more familiar with the extended universe, what do the Sith want revenge for? <sighs> I could do a whole <laughs> freaking podcast. That might be fun doing podcasts on like the sort of background stuff, but. Okay, the the Jedi and the Sith have been angry siblings, and they they're like rival religion. They follow the same religion, but different ways of doing it. Like right. Protestants and Catholics kicked up to a billion. <laughs> 
So they've been kind of, you know, there's the light has its dark aspects and it has its light aspects. They do different stuff, but one group that follows hard to the light side and one group that follows hard to the dark side were the two major groups. They're, they're always kind of through history kind of meet middling groups. There are smaller groups of force users that have their own kind of mini religions. If you, if you watch more into the Clone Wars, you'll see a couple. Okay. Like the witches of Dathomir are like an all female alien group that do very like they're force witches they do witch stuff but with the force okay but they've been kind of at war for years but then thousands of years ago the sith were as big as the republic as big as the jedi it was more even footing but then after one final decisive battle all the sith were wiped out but one and his in his name uh, was darth bane and he created the rule of two darth bane took one apprentice and he was like all right apprentice we used to be awesome, but now we're not. We're going to try something different because we can't seem to beat the Jedi. We're going to be real sneaky and we're going to destroy them from the inside. And thousands of years of Hail people- Hydra. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's kind of what it's like is it's very Hydra-like, except there's only two heads. But then when one head cuts off, you only replace it with one. <laughs> but that keeps the stealth going. That keeps the... Cut one head off, one head grows back. <laughs> the, and, and not all Sith were super gung-ho, you know on uh, taking the galaxy back some were just interested in studying the dark side and keeping out of the jedi's way but then down the way we have have you heard the tale of darth plagueis the wise <laughs> it was this uh a mun he's they appear in some of the star wars movies he's a, a mun sith who is really studying the midichlorians in a way that they haven't been before how to create life and then his apprentice in what all Sith Apprentices are supposed to do backstabs them and steals a shit to continue on. It's it's like a one-on-one Klingon promotion throughout history <laughs> where you can only really be promoted if you kill your commanding officer. Okay. It's like that, only much more intimate. <laughs> um, so he takes all of Darth Plagueis' shit and uses it to basically manipulate this crap with Anakin. The who knows, but basically he he creates the Chosen One. He creates his own mole, basically, for the Jedi. Mm. And you definitely need Extended Universe to get it, but Anakin was kind of Palpatine's real masterstroke, was getting him into the, the Jedi Order and oh, manipulating. Really cool. But he had to keep following up. Like, if he had just let Anakin run around, who knows? But he... That's why Shmi had her little Virgin Mary episode, was Palpatine fucked with her midichlorians and made her spontaneously uh, conceive. But then, you know, he he was this uh, rapscallion on Naboo, rich noble dude, and then he runs into Darth Plagueis, and Darth Plagueis is like, you got some pretty good force juice in you, sir. And <laughs> I don't... There was a good reason why uh, the Jedi never caught on to him. Um, uh, to Palpatine took him in because he's very powerful in the force but and then he, he takes I, I think he has one apprentice before Maul but then he has Maul and Dooku but by this time he's already got the wheels turning on his running both sides of this galaxy wide conflict yeah. and kind of um 1984ing him way his self into power like you have to give up your your rights for safety interesting and so he he did what the sith wanted to do and basically take over the galaxy but then he probably should have started making more sith yeah. but he doesn't so whatever yeah i i would have liked to see the the good and evil a bit murkier because i think thinking of the sith as a religion that has been wiped out by this other disagreeing religion and that's what it like, is like that can be really interesting if they're not just fucking evil 
And, I mean, that's kind of how George Lucas, um, for better or for worse, set up the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. Dark is evil, basically. Like, if you follow the dark side, you're going to turn into a gross, ugly old man. But if you're (laughs) on the light side, you're going to be beautiful and live a long time. And and with our modern sensibilities... Star Wars would be really cool if it was more kind of murky, but some some parts are, some parts aren't. It's one thing I really liked about Rogue One was, A, it explains, it explores this expanded universe a bit with, like, why does the Death Star have this Achilles heel? It's like, oh, someone put it in there on purpose to fuck with them. And it's like, so the Empire does have descent within the ranks and all this stuff. It's like, it's really complicates it in an interesting way. When that stuff is explored, when, when the murkier sides of Star Wars are explored, that's when I think it really takes off. Mm-hmm. There's a new series right now of Darth Vader comics. It's from Darth Vader's point of view. And he's a bad guy. But how is he being a bad guy? And what are his conflicts with other bad guys and good guys? And it's really cool. But then, you know, he takes in kind of this wayward archaeologist and he's she's helping her with stuff. But then he doesn't kill her at the end. He decides to spare her for another day. And, you know, it, it kind of is exploring that he's not just this one note enforcer, kind of how he's originally written in New Hope. Mm-hmm. You know, before all of this crap with the Skywalker dynasty. And and when, like, Rogue One, like you said, uh, the guy who designed the Death Star, at least the, the canon, was a conscientious objector. Mm-hmm. That's cool. You don't see that a lot. Like, Finn. It worked for Finn, too, with the, new, uh, with the First Order. Who put that Achilles heel in that droid control ship? That's the movie I want to see. Anakin shot one generator, and that thing went up like a candle. <laughs> that thing just... He That's shot like fair. one generator that he slid into. He started up a ship again, shoots it, and the whole thing <laughs> was fucking up. Was like, who built that exhaust port into that <laughs> ship? Can we watch the story about the droid who just doesn't like the Trade Federation? <laughs> His name's Roger. Roger. <laughs> Roger One, a Star Wars story. <laughs> Let's talk about pod racing. That's kind of my next note. Okay. Pod racing's cool. I pod like pod racing. racing. Cool. I remember we youngster when this movie first came out. Pod racing was probably my second favorite part after the Darth Maul fight. Yep. I play I played the video games. There was one kind of bad one, but then there was a really good one that w- that was set up more like a NASCAR video game. I think I played the pod racing video game too. There was more than one. There I there played, were a couple because there was the the big arcade cabinet one that was really cool. You had like the the, oh. the two hand. Uh, no, I played like a Nintendo 64 game. And then there's like the one that came out for computer and N64. But there was a second one. It, it was Pod Racing Revenge, Pod Racing Unleashed. <laughs> it was the second one. It was only out for PS2. That game was incredible. Yeah. Like Pod Racers had like health bars. Once they were knocked out of the race, they were out. So if you got knocked out of the race, you were done. And that, and like it was much. It was more true to how it kind of was in the movie, and it worked, and it was really fun. I should look into that, see if I can get a copy. Oh, I still have a PS2. If you got that, hit me up, because right. I would play the fuck out of it. <laughs> it was a pod that racing game, That game was fun. Um, Unleashed, I want to say. Okay. Something like that. But I was like, I would watch the hell out of If NASCAR was like this, I would watch this. You know, it, it's definitely an out of nowhere, this has nothing to do with the rest of the movie moment, but... What's wrong with a little world building? Mm-hmm. How do people enjoy their sports? You know, what do people do for fun? Yeah, I have no problem with the the sports scene. It's maybe a little long. Like, do that's, we really need three whole laps where we see that's like, kind of what whole I was, thing? When I was rewatching it today, I was like, man, this is much longer than I remember it yeah. being. And I think that's its weakness. And maybe 
why it's not as well liked. If it was one or two laps, maybe people would remember it more fondly. Yeah. And not I think they could have made one lap work. Like, there's this route totally. that you race through and you end up back where you started, and For that's sure. it. Like, you could make that work. But after Just make the it really big. time seeing the final turn, it's like, ugh. Yeah. Gross. It doesn't work for real life NASCAR either. And that's, <laughs> and that's a circle. And that's, they go 100 times around that. Turn Terrible. left. Turn um, left. Turn left. Exciting space movie. <laughs> it doesn't work. But I'm. But it is, it's well done, I have to say, for what it is. You know, it's pretty. All the different pods are really cool. Mm-hmm. Each of their designs, you know, they're unique, but they all kind of follow the same. You, I could picture like the national or the, the galactic governing body of pod racing standards that have to enforce this <laughs> it's probably some old hut oh know. yeah the, the huts definitely run the pod racing game. i i yeah. would i would assume that's why they're not too interested in cleaning up like the what are the jawas out there shooting at people that's part of the that's part of the thrill the tuscan raiders <laughs> tuscan raiders shots. yeah yeah not jawas tuscan it's like raiders. it gives it that mario kart quality of <laughs> chaos in there yeah but i i really enjoyed it more alien white trash, maybe too. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what Tatooine is. It's it's the the boonies of of the universe, but more Hicks and their broken down hover trailers <laughs> tailgating before the pod race. <laughs> Warwick Davis out there. <laughs> Warwick Davis is there. Yeah, he's floating around. He's... You also see him. I think you see him again in the the like parade at the end. Oh, really? He looks like kind. Of, I'd have to. I saw it just. At a glance, but it looked like he was in some sort of jester outfit in the oh. crowd. He was just in tattooing. He was just watching the race with some... That character gets Watto. around. He was watching it with his buddy Watto. Yeah. Midichlorians. Midichlorians. <sighs> so I get what they're doing. George Lucas in his mad creator, because he wrote and directed this thing. There was nobody to tell him no and slap his hands away from <laughs> the, the controls. It's like, let's, let's just explain why the Force is like this. I want to be sci-fi don't it's magic dude just, yeah. just let it go but He's... nope it's it's little alien micro microscopic bacteria in our blood pushing air around i don't know it's it's answering a question that no one was asking yeah i was like okay here's these there's these beings they are in tune with this force they can move things with their mind and they're crazy intelligent and have fast reflexes and we just accept that and they're like but also midi chlorians like no George, if this is a kids movie, that's not how you win the kids over. No. <laughs> like, the kid, I I don't remember. I barely remember midichlorians like or what, thinking about them in my first few viewings. I was kind of like, oh okay, but then like you're gonna lose the older people who kind of see what you're doing. Why? It's nobody cared how the force worked. It's the force. People go to ship on Sundays for this sort of thing. They, you know, they don't need to know it was bacteria or. Some people, you could have even, I don't know, put a scanner over them. It's like, oh, you're reading one billion gigaforces. That's weird. <laughs> like, even that would have been better than this, like, CSI bullshit. Yeah. I think, I think midi-chlorian as, like, some sort of unit of measurement for your force sensitivity would work, but they try to science the shit out of it. Whereas, like, it's these microscopic organisms that live in your blood, and they live in all cells. And Are they- you taking notes? You'll be quizzed <laughs> on this later. I, I hate that scene where Jake Lloyd's asking Obi Wan or not Obi Wan. I was I, I was just wondering, Master Sir, what are midi chlorians? Oh, shoot me now! Quan pulls out like the the elementary school TV on a trolley, puts in the he, the schoolhouse reached, rock on midi chlorians. He reaches slightly off screen and pulls down a projector screen. <laughs> well, Annie, it's like a human body, but then like a zoom on the midi, on like a 
I'm going to say a cell or microscopic organism in a yeah. Jedi robe. It was just, it was not the right way to go. It's like, I get that you need to measure his force sensitivity and his potential as a Jedi. And, you know, you need to establish that he's even more powerful potentially than Yoda, which is a big deal. But just the way they explain it they, is, they could have, is a bad move. I, you know, if I, if they wanted to do that, if they want to go like, he's off the charts, what the hell? Quiron should have, like, lit up some incense and, like, thrown on some soft music and done, like, a ritual or something. Yeah. And it's like, you know, what about the Jedi, like, make you think CSI and testing blood? Wave a, wave a lightsaber over his head and, <laughs> oh, that's weird. You're, you got way more force juice than Yoda. You're reading 10 million gigawatts. <laughs> but no, I think, and thankfully, gracefully, midichlorians are almost never brought up again i think clone wars like mentions midichlorians like in brief passing <laughs> like when they kind of have to or when it makes it's only like, sense but uh, they don't they don't talk about them they don't really explain them it's just like oh and yada yada midichlorians and blah 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 blah, blah. moving on <laughs> what happens if your midichlorians are sick <laughs> what kind of for you sneeze in the room half the room explodes yeah you it's, s- it's like you ever seen superman on a solar flare that kind of thing <laughs> Um, do you want to talk about queen versus fake queen like the decoys yeah because i have there's odd things about Would it you notice me. that this is kara knightley's like first time she kara knightley is famous because she looks like natalie portman yeah apparently like when they were in their amidala get up they look so similar that knightley's mother could not tell which one was her daughter when she was on set I see what they're doing, and they kind of did make it pay off in the second move in episode two at the beginning there. They made having a decoy make sense. Oh, that the decoy got murdered. Okay, that was probably a good idea. But for like this movie, it's like, eh, it doesn't... Yeah, the decoy doesn't really pay off. And also the decoy like has all of the powers of Queen while she's in Queen mode. I was sort of gleaning that there's maybe like code phrases, because Padme as Handmaiden would like say things to the Queen. And so I was interpreting it as like, this is like ancient Queen Handmaiden code. Okay. Like I'm, she's actually commit, like, we are brave, my Queen. That's code for like, we're doing this. Then why send Padme to clean R2-D2 and stay behind and do Queen shit? <laughs> <laughs> gotta, I don't know, gotta <laughs> convince everybody, gotta fool those Jedi. Also, why can't the Jedi see through the decoy queen disguise? I wondered that as a wee youngster. Like, wouldn't they just read her mind? Jedi can't really read minds. They can glean... They're they're sensitive to people and their emotions. And and that's it. And that's it. And I think the handmaidens and the queen just have to practice that. That they have to be good enough to fool Jedi. And they're probably used to it. I mean, it's probably not their first weekend they switched roles. So, you know, it's... They're calm, cool, collected. They have their code. If the queen dies, no big. Naboo's gonna be fine. They got their their backup queen as the hand, the real queen as the handmaiden. But yeah, Jedi don't really read minds. And if and if you're wait, they do read minds though, because Vader reads very, Mar- they, reads Luke's mind in Empire it, or Jedi Return of the Jedi. And I think you're not wrong. I think that's kind of what was going on at the time, but it's kind of now been retconned that. Luke was feeling sibling feelings for Leia. He wasn't Vader wasn't picking <laughs> that weird through his twin connection that he Vader wasn't was picking, picking through, up on. And maybe it was because they're twins, and maybe because they are a big family, it's a little different. But Vader wasn't like picking through the files in Luke's brain, going "Aha, 
<laughs> there it is. It your was, sister file. It was awfully specific, though. It's like, you're, oh, you have a sister. And I don't disagree. <laughs> your mother kept her from me. You're, yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong, but that's kind of... <laughs> and also, Jedi aren't really supposed to read minds. That's kind of a it naughty thing. It could be thing. like a violation, And, that's, and yeah. that's why Kylo's, like, pulling shit out of people's brains and Force Awakens. That's but, true, yeah. He's literally reading minds. But you don't see... Obi-Wan and Anakin doing that to the the bounty hunter in the second one. Yeah. They're just yelling at her. I guess I just felt like there should be this emotional fingerprint that they would be like, oh, this is clearly a different person. Where is the person I thought was the queen? Oh, she's the handmaiden. Okay, I see what's going on. And yeah, you're, I think you're right to point that out, but... As an apologist, I have to find bullshit reasons to explain it away. <laughs> That's fair. I just, I, I'm totally fine with headcanon and having these discussions. I'm not trying to criticize. Just, you have like, to pull a lot of headcanon <laughs> to make Phantom Menace work. It was just something that occurred to me watching it. I was like, wait a minute. Couldn't, shouldn't they be able to tell? Qui-Gon should have had Anakin dressed up a little better when he met the council. <laughs> he was still in his tattooing slave rags. And he's like, all right. Was he going for like the sympathy vote? Like, oh, this poor little boy for only the price of a cup of coffee <laughs> you can train you can train this poor boy to be a jedi for just six cents a day this boy could be a jedi master and bring balance to the force see if i was quagon i would have i would have gone salesman about this i would have dressed him up as a little jedi i would have cut his hair got his little, get little, little braid going get his, like put a little weave rat tail in him it's like he's already looking the part gotta sell him but quagon's like you gotta do this and the council's like f you prophecy schmophecy exactly <laughs> you see how cloudy this motherfucker's future looks <laughs> that of course is what you know mace windu is saying um, I, I also wrote down a um for every time samuel jackson speaks i insert the word motherfucker so when he said may the force be with you i wrote down may the force be with you motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> that that actually now thinking of that scene you kind of got a thing with the mind reading because when they're testing Anakin, they got a little like space clipboard that's yeah. showing images, and Mace Windu's probably sitting there like thinking really hard about the image, seeing if Anakin picks up on it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah definitely some mind reading going. He's around. not reading the computer screen; he's reading Mace. What does Mace Windu feel like when he's looking at a ship in a cup? <laughs> Horny? Yeah. What's this? <laughs> oh man, this fucking ship looks good. I wanted one of these when I was a kid, but my dad wouldn't let me get one. <laughs> you think of a hot rod ship, aren't you, Mace Windu? <laughs> Damn, you got me. I'm not training you. <laughs> Evil little bastard. Evil little bastard. What are the other Jedi Towers for, do you think? They're only in the center one. What are the other four for? Dormitories? <laughs> I'm thinking one's like, maybe one's like, if a Jedi gets in trouble, that's like more of like got the, the judge box and the jury. Sure. <laughs> for Jedi Law and Order, maybe even non-Jedi, when they're arresting somebody, they take them up there. One's, one's like a like rec the room. School. <laughs> one's the movie theater. <laughs> one's like, yeah, like the game room, rec room, break room. <laughs> That's where the, the space water coolers are and their their episode one pinball machines. Oh, these motherfuckers got Sushi Go up in here? <laughs> got some motherfucking cards against humanity? Oh, shit. Yeah, they, got got a Jedi VR. they got a VR in there, man. It's like the future. <laughs> they got an Oculus Rift. Living in the future is cool. <laughs> it's like a holodeck from Star Trek in there. <laughs> Which takes place in the real distant future from our point of view. Yeah, I know. That's... It's a long time ago. Yeah. I remember asking, I think it was one of my uncles, it's like, if this happened a long time ago, why don't we have all this cool technology? And he was like, they didn't leave the blueprints for us. <laughs> this universe, this galaxy is far, far away. And even my, oh, but it was far away. That's why we don't yeah. have stuff. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Jar Jar has the same catchphrase as the middle child from Full House. How woot. <laughs> <laughs> 
Never watched Full House. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I think it was the middle one. I think Stephanie's catchphrase was Hawood. It might Mary have been the baby. Kate Olsen, that one. It might have been the, the Olsen twin. That might have been one of her catchphrases, their catchphrases. I think only a child would say that with a straight face, so I believe it. <laughs> so, all right. So, this is space. This is the future. Why are we lining up like it's the fucking Civil War to fight? <laughs> they have, like, repeating guns. At least, I mean, at least the the... The Gungans are throwing space rocks at them, glow rocks at them, but the droids have like repeater guns, and they're there's a reason you don't really see lineup fights once the Wild West starts in history, <laughs> yeah. that time period, because when you have repeater guns, those battles don't work out very well for either side. I feel like droids would line up and march in in like a grid because they're not worried about dying. And that makes sense, but I but think... But the Gungans just standing there in a line is a real weird... <laughs> they have to bust out their old Spartan shields and... <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hope that these are like special anti-droid weapons because... I don't know what a human would do. If, it would either be really bad or really pointless if a human was hit by one of these energy balls. It would either be like kind of a weird snowball or it would like maybe melt their face. You don't really get the impression that it, these boomer balls are damaged to anything but a droid. Who's the boomer? Oh, God, I said I wouldn't do that. Oh, no, it wasn't Jar Jar's line. That was, that was a Jar Jar's that line. That was Captain Tarpalis. <laughs> oh, so we're talking about Gungans and Warfare. So Gungans are these proud warriors. They have long history, uh, like a warrior culture. It comes to a head in Clone Wars, and it's really cool because they're on a there's a completely different water planet. It's it's actually where Admiral Akbar's people are from, Mon Calamar. They're fighting the separatists there and they're they're scuba droids and shit. It's like, oh, we're doing poorly. What's like a seafaring race we know for reinforcements that we can call? So they call the Gungans. <laughs> they bring, they ship in Gungans from Naboo and Gungans hitting the, they, they're like the, the big damn heroes of that episode. They come in and flank the droids and it's really cool. Nice. And if you don't like Gungans, I don't, I don't know the name of that episode. It's, it's actually like a lot of Clone Wars. I think it's a multi-parter and we see Captain Akbar working with, <laughs> with, uh, Anakin and I think, uh, Ahsoka, his pat, uh, his Padawan at the time. And, uh, it's it's really cool. It's a cool episode, and if you don't like Gungans, this I think will redeem it for you. Interesting, because Jar Jar is barely in it. He kind of helps set it up. You know, Jar Jar can set up the shit, but he's he's not like running in. He's not a general in this fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's a clown. <laughs> but yeah, it's like uh, why? Is it? I see why the droids are doing it, but I feel like as the Gungans, they might have tried to pick a better field. At least they can get a little bit more cover. Or get some uh, scuba underwater tactics because they talk about the droids like going to their undersea cities. Yeah. So are the can the B one swim? Are they busting out the scuba droids at this point? But yeah, I assume they're just water resistant. Or they, they went down there those and flushed assault, out the cities. Those carriers maybe can just head into the water. No sure, big deal. Why not? I would have liked to have seen it. All right, so we're we're in the final kind of the the final reel the 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 four way fight. So they're, you know, we've got the other group, they're running through the palace, shooting droids, pretty standard. Exciting in its own way. And then we have the space battle, which is space battle in Star Wars number 365 beta. But now we have the greatest fight scene in any movie ever. You heard me. Quote me, internet. This is... Just name a better one, internet. Don't just naysay. Yeah, exactly. Give me a list of better ones, and I will tell you why you're wrong. I it's, I, it's one of the great fight scenes for sure, especially like hand-to-hand sword fighting. It's yeah. exciting. Like the double-bladed lightsaber blew my little kid mind me when too. I saw that. Yep. Using the force in the fight, like 
hitting hitting Obi-Wan in the face with a handful of force or throwing <laughs> that rock into the, the panel to get that door to open. Darth Maul's a smooth Jumper. motherfucker. Oh my god, Ray Park knocked it out of the park. Yeah. I found it funny. I was reading the IMDb trivia, which, of course, is Star Wars movies. There's a ton of trivia about oh, this movie. I mean, they just listen to the commentary and just start listing fun facts. Yeah, and then they like tie in extended universe yeah. stuff to explain things. It's like yep. it's really long. I don't even think I finished reading it. <laughs> yeah, but among the trivia was like all the directors Lucas went to to try to get to direct Phantom Menace. He tried. He didn't. He wasn't. He just did not want to do it. Really? He went I did to, not know that. He went to Ron Howard. He went to Spielberg. He went to uh, Lawrence Kasdan. What would episode one have looked like directed by Spielberg? What? Why didn't they take it? Do you, did it say why? Was there like specific reasons? Um, Kasdan is on record for... I think he was offered to write it like he did Empire and Jedi. And he said, no, like, this should be your movie. This should be your <laughs> thing. I, which I, which sounds like a real polite way to say no. <laughs> Cause fuck that. That's a bad idea. Um, cause of course he co-wrote Force Awakens. So once you take <laughs> Lucas out of the mix, he seems fine with writing Star Wars. Well, maybe he saw what, what he wrote by not jumping into the prequels. Maybe he's like, I, I can't let it happen through the next trilogy. I might have actually written down some of the dire- other directors. Ron Howard, Robert Zemeckis, Steven Spielberg were all approached by George Lucas to direct the film. It doesn't say why they turned it down. Who knows? Maybe they read the script. Because <laughs> the script is also definitely a weaker point. I mean, who's to say it couldn't have been improved by, uh, improved by somebody in the trenches with Lucas mm-hmm. and not a bunch of yes men? Is watching watching like the making of documentary of Episode One is painful. I've seen clips of it. it well, you, I'm sure. Have you seen like the Mr. Plinkett? episode one review yes i think yeah. so yeah and, and he, he yeah and they show clips from he, it that's where i've seen clips he cuts them very like he cuts to the bone when he cuts those clips yes man george lucas rattling off whatever who knows if it's good and bad and people just like yeah george that sounds great him going through all the the art and stuff and mm-hmm. just he's he does i don't know if he asked for like any redos but he just grabs stuff and you know it might look good but then that kind of process doesn't work as well for writing and for you know directing actors totally you know, picking picking a cool alien is not the same as getting an actor to like you know feel what he should be feeling yeah and getting and I, a child actor to understand what the hell they're saying and you also hear stories about like those yes men those people who worked on it were like yeah it sounded weird to me but it's george lucas he's a legend like do you remember i feel i felt like he knew what he was doing he knew what he was doing better than i did and i was like yeah it sounds probably sounds pretty good george he is the mad genius creator in the room and yeah did you make a multi-billion dollar franchise out of three movies no you didn't george lucas didn't do you remember what you felt like? Do you remember when you f- saw the first trailer for episode one? Do you remember where you were? I don't remember where I was. I remember no. I was in my dad's computer room and he was like, hey guys, there's going to be a new Star Wars movie. My tiny little, probably seven-year-old brain exploded. I love Star Wars. I loved the three movies. I watched that trailer and I was so stupid pumped. And I'm sure that's probably where the producers were in their own more adult way. All joking aside, that first trailer looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I rewatched like, it. It looks fucking awesome. 
Because I remember it was going around just a few years ago. Like, I remember, oh, because when the Force Awakens trailer came out, it looked great. Everyone was like, yeah, but remember the Phantom Menace trailer? (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever see the special edition George Lucas cut of the Force Awakens trailer? (laughs) With like 50 TIE fighters all blasted, like just filling the screen with lasers. And yeah. Uh, And the Swiss Army lightsabers. Adding dubacks to random scenes. Yeah, the Swiss (laughs) Army laser sword. Classic. Um, No, but. I know what you mean. I can definitely see why those yes men were just blinded mm-hmm. by, you know, we get to make a Star Wars movie with George Lucas. How can that go wrong? It can't be worse than Return of the Jedi, the current or Star Wars movie. <laughs> um, Although, if you don't count the holiday special, you like the holiday I, special. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I've never watched it. I never <laughs> want to. I never will. I've, I've seen enough clips to know I would probably die enough inside it would probably yeah. hurt me and i don't i love myself i will not do that to myself all right that's fair <laughs> i i can't recommend watching it even no matter how diehard a star wars fan you are i i've read the synopsis i've read a lot of the backstory i will not sit down and watch you've it. clearly seen the cartoon where boba fett's introduced that's part i've of seen it. i've seen not all of the c3po or 2d2 cartoons but i've seen the boba fett one because I, I have a boba fett onesie so <laughs> i've seen i've seen that one i've seen a bunch of different episodes i've seen a couple of the ewoks cartoon did you ever watch the ewok cartoon or seen it no it's not very good don't worry <laughs> about it yeah well you know who at the time the the producers and stuff they couldn't have known force force awakens phantom menace would have been the shit show for lack of a better word that it was and then by the time they were making the next two is like we're here we're already doing this all we can do is improve on what and so they fucked up with the second one again but for whole new reasons i will say (laughs) and that's if you're gonna fuck up you might as well fuck up for new reasons and not old reasons so, you know, Phantom Menace maybe strayed too far from Star Wars in a lot of cases, took too many risks. Attack of the Clones was so far up the original trilogy's butt and not in a good way and made took whole new risks and most of them didn't pay off either. But we're not talking about the second one. We'll save that for next time. <laughs> why you're wrong. Or and why, never. <laughs> and why episode two is you will live. It's not good, but you'll be fine watching it. <laughs> Do you want some trivia about this one? That I combed through IMDb for. Yeah, give me some good ones. Uh, apparently, during filming, Ewan McGregor would make lightsaber noises while he was filming his duels. <laughs> I think I've heard. <laughs> and that they they had to like remove it in post. <laughs> I love Ewan McGregor. I think I think he's great, and I think he's probably one of the better parts of the prequels. And I think they should Disney should bring him back. There's there's been rumors of him reprising his role as well as Hayden Christensen reprising his role. I think that's a great idea. I think, I think Hayden, so too. Hayden Christensen is a good actor. Yeah. I've seen him in stuff and he is fine, but he has the same problem Jake Lloyd had, the same problem that uh, Liam Neeson had is he, uh, George Lucas was not the right director for those actors. Mm-hmm. And I think I've, I've mentioned on the podcast before, but go watch uh, Broken Glass with Hayden Christensen. Uh, Fantastic oh, movie. Yeah. Um, even Jumper, which wasn't Jumper's a very good movie, fun. he was fine. Yeah. He was, he was He's more good. fun and lively than he was in the Star Wars movies. And yeah. even even in Revenge of the Sith versus Attack of the Clones, huge improvement. Mm-hmm. He's he's way better. He's not. He's still not great, but he's way. It's it's almost night and day where he is for Revenge of the Sith versus um, Attack of the Clones. I I would love to see Ewan McGregor reprise the role. He did not reprise the role for the cartoon though. I mean, when you do Moulin Rouge, you don't do voice work. But um, well, he did the voice in in Force Awakens. 
Yep. Well, I mean, like like a lion. Yeah, it's like it what did they? Somebody meet him for lunch at a <laughs> Starbucks. And be like, hey, say something forcey into this mic. <laughs> uh, road force. Good. We'll get it in editing. <laughs> Liam Neeson reprised his role a couple the clone, of times in the Clone Wars. Yeah. He he did voice work as Force Ghost Qui Gon, and uh, there was deleted stuff. He was going to be in Revenge of the Sith, showing up near the end when Yoda was talking to Obi Wan. It's like, hey. I just talked. I just got off the force phone with Qui Gon. <laughs> you will not believe what he found out. A, he's conscious. So originally, Liam Neeson was supposed to show up as like Force Ghost Qui Gon. Uh-huh. I don't know in what universe they thought that was a bad idea. Yeah, really. Why do you cut that? Yeah, I. It's like oh, we're at the end of the movie. We don't want this to turn into the end of Reven- or Return of the King, where we have to tie up a thousand loose ends and end the movie five times. But nope, they ended up cutting that and. uh but he comes back as Force Ghost Qui-Gon in Clone Wars, and it's cool. And also, uh, Shmi. Yeah. The lady who played Shmi. I read that, too. She, she reprises she, her role. She came back and did voice work for Shmi flashbacks. They did Skywalker. Like, Shmi Skywalker, the Shmi mom, Skywalker. if you're not a giant nerd <laughs> like we are. Cause, oh, that's another character that's not actually named until the second movie. Uh, they don't say yeah, her name. That, she had her name in like extended universe stuff, and maybe at some point in the movie they w- would mention it. But yeah, yeah. it's not until uh, Kliglar's... Shmi's my wife. I did want to uh, talk about the score during the Darth Maul fight. Yeah, let's talk about how this is probably John Williams knocks it out of the goddamn park. I would say... Not even Duel of the Fates, that little number. The whole movie's great. It is, but Duel of the Fates is maybe my favorite John Williams thing ever. Totally. 100%. It's it's a contender. But yeah, I I think it's it's so memorable. It's... It's it's, it's really mo- different from anything else he does. Like, there is people say like, oh, John Williams, all this stuff sounds different. It's like, no, there's kind of a, a similarness to a lot of his scores well, for sure. But if that's really cool, you know, having kind of a, a theme and a style that doesn't stop artists. That yeah. Christopher Walken has made a career on being Christopher Walken and this and that. <laughs> it's totally John, fine. You don't hire John Williams to sound like Danny Elfman, and Danny Elfman's the same way. Danny, yeah, everything Danny Elfman. When you does hire John exactly Williams, you're you getting John Williams. Yeah. And that poor dude is so old. Bless his heart. He did Force Awakens though. He did do Force I Awakens. I think he's doing The Last Jedi. I think you're right. But he didn't do Rogue One. Don't blame him. But also, Rogue One has the worst music of any Star Wars movie, or at least I didn't the, even really notice. Exactly, yeah. and that's that's what I would say is the mark of bad music if you don't remember it. Well, but, you could there's an okay, argument maybe either it's not, way. It's not bad. You're not hearing a kazoo play it, but because yeah, you, know, you don't you don't want it to like stand. You don't want it to really draw that much focus. And ideally, but John Williams does, but you don't care. Well, in a movie like Rogue One, I could see that. You don't want it. It's like why the Marvel movies don't really have super memorable music, except for that one riff. That's the Avengers riff. Alan Silvestri, man. You don't want it to draw focus. Yeah. But then again, I still don't think the Rogue One music was that good. Anyway, Duel of the Fates, super memorable, super... um, powerful and it it matches so well with that fight mm-hmm. like it's, i love the choral music mm-hmm. in it that's just a really great touch but it's up there i think with imperial march and the main riff you know it's it that's like star wars quintessential star wars they need to bring that little number if they're gonna <laughs> well i guess did they bring back the imperial march at all in force awakens i think so maybe or like a slight riff on it i think they used it probably couldn't a little bit if, yeah if they found a way to bring back duel of the fates a little bit. I mean, Absolutely. if you have the if you have the right thing, don't force it. Yeah, 
but <laughs> force pun <laughs> force puns that's also a force power it's uh <laughs> it's one know, of the lesser known yoda's not as good as that and once he started he kind of uh, discriminated against the force pun users it became a whole other sect i mean when you're 900 years old you can shape a lot of generations of jedi puns lead to fear fear leads to anger. <laughs> <laughs> oh gross the queen is wearing the same thing on naboo that she was wearing on coruscant <laughs> when she I, I don't remember what part oh it's when she's meeting palpatine when palpatine lands on naboo like just before the parade she changed her clothes she was wearing something different in the swamp and in the fight scene but she, I'd never noticed it before. She's wearing the same thing she wore in Coruscant, uh, like right before she was about to take off and head home that she's wearing when she meets Palpatine. Doesn't she supposed to be wearing something new every scene? <laughs> it's like, you brought that number back for the Chancellor? <laughs> well, I'm, part of me is thinking maybe they just changed up the green scene and shot that on the same day. Could be. It's like, yeah. oh, we can't afford one more costume and makeup job. Let's, let's just, we'll have the green scheme showing something else. <laughs> Uh, now I'm trying to remember if Palpatine was wearing something different. I don't think he was either. I don't remember. I had never noticed it before until I watched it a couple hours ago. I didn't uh, recognize Terrence Stamp as v- Chancellor Valoran like, until the end credits. Like, Cor- Terrence Stamp. I was like, that's where I know him from. What else has he done? Superman. He was General Zod in Superman. Oh, hell yeah. That's yep. totally General Zod. Yep. <laughs> he, uh, he refused to appear in the sequels because, quote, actors prefer to work with actors. Oh, was he? Is that a? Who is that? A? Is he talking about Ian or uh, Ian Mc? Who who plays Palpatine? Yeah, McDermott. Is yeah, Ian right? McDermott. Was that a riff at Ian McDermott? Could be because it's the only person he really has a scene with, and, yeah, I mean, and Natalie Portman, and and like a little when he when they first land, yeah, a little bit of Natalie Portman, a little bit of Liam Neeson, but Ian McDermott. It was probably some with green screens. Like he might have been filming a lot of stuff, and like when he's on the podium alone, he's got a dude in a weird blue ox oh, costume and a. That and might a be lady. what he's referring to. Is like he he was just like on a green screen and filmed, and he didn't resp- he wasn't okay. acting or reacting to anybody. He's not throwing shade at his fellow actors. He's throwing that shade at the green screen. He doesn't like the technology used. So I he's can a see grumpy that grumpy old man. Well, do you want to talk about some guilty pleasures? This of, movie of characters yo. in Phantom okay. Menace. Yeah, I see what you're you can pick one. Oh, you can pick one I, for me. I, I was so good about Underworld. I thought about it ahead of time. I did. Definitely. I'm so sorry, Jar Jar. Oh, you got to give me Jar Jar's guilty pleasure. I hate to do it to you. But I, was, I don't want you to do it to me. If you didn't immediately pick it, I was gonna give you Jar Jar. <laughs> you know what I'm interested in knowing the guilty pleasure of is the pod race announcer that Greg Proops plays. <laughs> oh, that head though, not the other one, not the one that speaks Hutties, the one that speaks yeah. Galactic Basic. That's yeah. a good one. Because I, I watched Who's Line about the same time this yeah. movie came out. And it, that's Greg Proops! I would have shouted that out in the movie theater. <laughs> you know, I I was so proud of myself that I recognized that. I got to go listen to the... There's a podcast called I Was There Too. And it's just this guy interviewing like these bit part actors in that's movies. Cool. And he did Greg Proops for Phantom Menace. And I should go listen to that. Because I bet it's interesting. <laughs> what is he... I mean, was I can't picture he was more in like a studio for a day. It's like, all right, you're a goofy space announcer. Yeah, I imagine. Do you even have a... Did they even know you had a twin at that point? Maybe. Or... Well, you probably knew you had a co-host, but that they were brothers, obviously. <laughs> okay, so... Man... I feel a little ashamed. I don't know that dude's name. I know a lot of bit characters, uh, Star Wars. It's names. in yeah, it's in the uh, trivia. I'm, well, I know it exactly, as like he's yeah. credited as the wrong one. Like oh no, or something like on the movie, <laughs> he's credited as Zorg Liplar, but actually Zorb Gleeplar. <laughs> Do you want a job on Rick and Morty? That's how the, I love that Rick and Morty. Um, okay, so Zorb Gleeplar. 
Man, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look this I up. I have to come up with a different guilty pleasure for Jar Jar other than being a Sith Lord. Haha, <laughs> taken. Because we already talked about that. I've, I've actually got a good one for Jar Jar if we both want to jump on this grenade. <laughs> it's Fode and Bead. Which one's which, though? <laughs> what would his guilty pleasure be, though? Whose line is it anyway? <laughs> oh, God. They actually were, like, in masks and shit. And, like, blue screens. That's so weird. In blue suits, but with goofy alien masks on. Look it up. Google it. Uh, I'll go. I'm going to listen to his, that episode, that interview about specifically Phantom Menace and his experience on Phantom Menace. Okay. What? I'm going to go with Fode. If I'm wrong, I'm so sorry, internet. I'll never do it again. <laughs> um, Fode's guilty pleasure is he, when his brother's asleep, he puts him in his brother's sling around his arm so his head can be cradled. And he sneaks down to their garage where he's building his own pod racer. Because one day he's going to be up on there. He's not going to announce it. He's going to be, he's going to win the Bunta Eve Classic. Those who can't announce do. <laughs> Those who can do. You can't really understand it. You know, it's lost in translation, but his brother's a way better announcer. <laughs> it's hard to tell if you just speak basic and not both Huttese and basic. Yeah. But feeds or uh, beads. He's got beautiful language, and it's like Hutty Shakespeare. He can rock an analogy and, like you wouldn't believe. And Fode is like slapping his mouth on the mic. He is barely cognizant up there compared to his Oxford-trained brother. He's better at analogies than someone who's really good at analogies. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what that's what Fode's doing. He's building his own pod racer on the sly. That's pretty good. Um, Jar Jar, as we know, got exiled from Gunga City for being, quote, clumsy. Yeah, I heard that rumor. I think he likes pop the little the little ball the little bubble cities <laughs> like and, bubble and flooding them <laughs> which you know the gungans are amphibious so it doesn't kill them or anything where they're like fucking asshole it's like um a little anarchy it's like a yeah. domestic disturbance he's like we belong in the water <laughs> we don't live in the air like those fucking animal <laughs> nabooians <laughs> whoa jar jar is on the sly an amphibian terrorist I would have never known. He's and he's you know a little racist. It's ironic because he's kind of a racist caricature. <laughs> I've I yeah I understand what's going on, but I'm going to tell you something, Internet, about the whole thing about racist caricatures in Force Awakens. Welcome to fiction. Any fiction? There's racist caricatures in Force Awakens. I'm telling you that the the concept of aliens and even like Lord of the Rings and the other is kind of based on race a little bit because mm-hmm. lord of the rings it's it's like elves and humans but they're white people they're always depicted as white people and then you got the the savage other and it's i that's lord of the rings is a hardcore example but even like star trek this goes all the way back to john carpenter or uh, john carter on mars uh and tolkien and all this stuff is aliens and fantasy races are kind of all racial stereotypes or or like the idea of race almost played to parody yeah there's only so many uh, accents you can do exactly and (laughs) and eventually you will run into oh that seems like an asian that seems like a black person based on our our stereotypes and i don't think this was i don't think force awakens was maybe or i keep saying phantom menace i don't think phantom menace was necessarily deliberate maybe maybe it was maybe it wasn't it might have been just a a five car collision of stereotypes just building on each other and they just were a little too close to home i don't know but it never bothered me when i watched it i didn't notice it until it was pointed out but now that it was pointed out 
I see it, and it's a little caricature-y, and I can see the similarities, but on the other hand, Lord of the Rings is kind of a little racist with how they do orcs, and how they're kind of like a snooty, they could be a snooty British person's idea of other races, and maybe that's a little heavy for this podcast, <laughs> I apologize. Um, we we but, get heavy. And, and that's always been my opinion, is the Neomodians seem kind of like a shitty Asian caricature. Watto seems kind of like a shitty Jewish caricature. Um, Gungans kind of seem like a shitty black caricature. I And I see where they're coming from, but I think that's... Go back and watch Klingons in the original Star <laughs> Trek. Go back and, and you know, read uh, Tolkien. Even dwarves, which were good guys, they kind of had, like, a bit of the Jewish stereotype going on. Mm, yeah. Um, Ferengi on Star Trek have had any number of weird caricatures that have been hoisted upon them. Ben Hooper pointed this out to me that they're kind of like capitalist caricatures, but they've they've worn other hats too. Like they've kind of got this weird like Muslim vibe where women can't wear clothes as opposed to like have to be completely clothed and that's yeah. So I mean, fiction's full of vaguely uh, or veiled you know caricatures, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's done to comment on these things in our world sometimes it's done accidentally and yeah for good or for ill definitely but that's why i think force awakens has taken a a pretty brave step forward in actually having a person of color as a protagonist Mm -hmm. and not and not shooing in an alien played by a person of color you know that's why i think force awakens is so great i think it's really diverse and interesting cast of characters yeah no and i i think (laughs) the diversity helps it and I, I I see it with uh, especially with superheroes as I look at a poster and it's got Captain America, Thor, Hulk, and Iron Man on it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh wow, it's, you know, four white guys, you know, four white men. How's a how's a girl to choose? Uh, people lose their shit when you try to like analyze it. Cha- no, change the color of a comic book character. It's like he was white, he was white in the comics. Fuck you. <laughs> well, it doesn't... And it's not as big of a deal when it's like a, a white person going to a white person, obviously. Nobody gave a shit when Power Rangers kept having different cast members. The Red Ranger's a white guy, and you made him a different white guy. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter that, but when you're trying to expand it, and, you know, having that representation is important. Man, we are getting into, like, this... Liber- I'm a huge bleeding heart liberal about this <laughs> stuff. I no apologies. I'm all but for it. Yeah. I grew up with so many people who role mo- who I could have role models and looked like me. And I'm I'm a straight white dude, and so I had picked the litter. But I could, you know, I grew up with other kids who were black, and they had to they also had to latch onto white people, and that's not always easy. And mm-hmm. um, it's nice that you know my my buddy Thomas growing up next door, if he could have. When we were playing Star Wars, he could have been Finn and, you know, felt more connected than him having to be Han Solo or something. Yeah. And I know you don't need race, but it doesn't hurt. Um, they're not just being depicted as a half-masked alien or, you know, something less honorable than the hero. It's a big complicated topic that I enjoy oh, talking for sure. about. And worth a whole podcast on it in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anything you want to plug? To wrap us up, I, I'm thinking. I love Odyssey Games. Odyssey Games is the local one of the local game stores in Kalamazoo. I'm deeply connected to it in ways I'm I'm don't really want to elaborate on, but they're a great store. I go there all the time. I run D and D groups there. We do Star Wars RPGs a lot there. Just look us up on Facebook. See when times are. Mine's kind of a a drop in drop out D and D group. Some are, some aren't. So, but if you're interested in gaming, Odyssey Games is the place to be. Yo. 
<laughs> what do you what about you joe what do you want to plug I'm trying to think if there's anything i've been watching or want to recommend rick and morty season three i'll plug that I, been... I, I did you catch the episode on i don't, April I don't know Fools? where to, yeah i don't know where to watch it you might have to do some less than honorable internet digging i don't do that so i yeah. might have just wait it was it's, it's not on like the adult swim app or anything it was like a one and done thing and then i had it on my facebook i shared somebody else had posted the video but yeah. it's gone now yeah it was real good though. I was he- hearing a lot of iffy stuff about Rick and Morty season three, but that yeah, I heard at some least, like behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. there's it's a complicated show, and I I don't blame them. But um, it was an amazing opener. I'm sorry I interrupted your plug. What are you plugging? Um, I just watched the first new episode of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. It's like really it? good. Yeah, it's Felicia great. Day? Felicia, Day. Felicia Day. Felicia Day. Felicia Day. Call me. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's it's everything you want it to be if you're a Mystery Science Theater fan. No, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of... of I, I love Patton Oswalt, I love Felicia Day, and I was very excited to see they're involved. Mm-hmm. I don't know the the, the new Jonah space Ray. station dude. Yep, I, I've seen him on... He's on At Midnight a lot, and he's one of the co-hosts of the Nerdist podcast. So I, are, I was familiar with him when he was cast. Are the are they bringing back the same voice actors for the bots? Is no. It, is it the um I'm, I'm so bad i'm a bad nerd i don't remember the, the actors names i i it's like um i can't remember who's doing the voice of the bots now it's none of none of the original people are involved or they like... joel hodgson is running it okay so he's involved and um the rift tracks guys um or at least bill corbett is set to do like uh reprise his role of a uh, brain guy mm-hmm. at some point in this season for sure um so i think they they're not involved involved creatively but i think they're in the loop and you know going to be a part of it as it goes on what else will get going on uh well our discussion of race maybe want to plug our uh our episode of last action hero which got weirdly into race oh <laughs> i'm gonna have to pretty I'll, good i'll have to bring that up i'm so bad i i didn't even f- i gotta finish listening to my last episode underworld i just finished that today i, I think it sounded pretty good ladies and gentlemen i beat the table way less than i did last time i'm super proud of myself i'm proud of you too thanks this is gonna be much better i i almost did a couple times because i'm such an emotive hand (laughs) gesture talker person oh man this is my fourth time so i'm in the five club next time you do the five club like snl right yeah yeah you get a card in a champagne room or something (laughs) i don't really track how many times people have been on but yeah yeah, i'm always happy to come back yeah, totally. Um, or we're supposed to do an alien tie-in one. Oh, uh, yeah. That's coming out not super far in the future. It's just a couple weeks from this coming out, actually. Dang. So, yeah, our Twitter is at quote guilty. My personal Twitter is at play underscore architect. You can find us at facebook.com slash quote unquote guilty. Email us at quote unquote guilty at gmail.com or contribute to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash word salad. So that's it from us. Thanks for having us, internet, in your hearth and home. Eat your veggies, brush your teeth, and watch Star Wars. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave you with this. This is a note I made that I was proud of that I didn't get to during the recording. Anakin wastes no time taking Padway back to his little fuck palace. <laughs> as soon as they walk in the door, they're like, come here, I'll show you a 3PO. Are you an angel? <laughs> it's like, man, that's fucking smooth. I need to use that one at the bar. He's getting fucking laid later. <laughs> He's getting fucking laid in Attack him, of the Clones. Give him 10 years. Give him 10 years, you're gonna get laid to shit. Make that age difference a little less gross. Nope, still the same age difference. Nine, well, 9 and 14, but... Five years isn't as bad when you're 19 and 24. Yeah. I'll give them that. So that's it from us. Thanks for coming on, Johnny. Thank you. Bye-bye. May the force be with you and all that.
This podcast is a word salad production. Wonky oranges, righteous dragons. I'm done with this. <laughs>